today is the second week in our kind of two-part uh, mini vision series to kick off the academic year. Last week, um, Andy was sharing really helpfully around living generously, what that means to live with it, to give to God everything that we have. Um, and today, I'm, I'm going to look at the call that we have as Christians to discipleship, and we're going to look at the moment in Jesus' life and ministry where he first called his disciples. So I'm going to read from the Bible. My name's Naomi, by the way, if I haven't met you yet, um, I'd love to meet you later. Um, but I'm going to read from the Bible from Matthew chapter 4, um, starting at verse 18. And so if you've got a phone or a Bible, you can follow along. You can just listen as well. That's also an option as well. These are really familiar words if you've been around the church for any length of time. So you might find it helpful to listen with a slightly different posture as well. Maybe you want to close your eyes um, or open your hands as a way of saying, I know I've heard these words a hundred times. I'd like to hear them fresh this morning, Jesus. So let me read from Matthew 4, starting at verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it is alive and it is active. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and bring these words alive in us today and to do a work in us that only you can do. Amen. So discipleship is a word that you may have heard uh, if you have been around church for any length of time. And it's, it's a word that we use in lots of different contexts. We have lots of different ways of talking about it. Um, sometimes it's a word that we more readily use um, to define a relationship that we have with other people. Uh, we talk about discipling others. We talk about making disciples following that great commission that Jesus gave us. However, importantly, it is also a word that um, we can use when we talk about our own journey of faith, about being a disciple. And I think that this passage is a really perfect place to start whenever it comes to consider again, what is discipleship? What is a disciple? And what does it mean to make disciples? And so I'm going to let you in on my thinking from the start so that you know where we're going. I just have three points today, like any good preacher and I think uh, that it's helpful sometimes whenever you know what they are before we begin. So uh, the things I'm going to be chatting about this morning um, are that this, this life of discipleship, it requires three things from us. The disciple must first follow, second yield and third listen. Follow, yield and listen. And I think that this is the pattern that we see here in this pretty short interaction that Jesus had with these men in their boats. So first, follow. Come, follow me. Those were the first words that Jesus said to these men. And it was their first call, and it remains to be our first call to follow Jesus. We never actually stop 
being followers. And that's how we speak of ourselves, isn't it? You know, we often define our, our identity as being followers of Christ, followers of Jesus. It's part of our vision as a church to love Edinburgh, to be family, and to follow Jesus. But isn't it sometimes the way that it can be easy to veer off that course and to forget uh, or let that call get buried by other things? Perhaps sometimes even to realize that we are taking the lead ourselves. Because following is kind of a difficult thing to do over a lifetime. It's an easy thing to do for a portion but it's hard to do consistently. And some of that is to do with the world that we live in because we live in a fairly individualistic society. And for many of us, forging ahead to success is something that is really encouraged and it's a very natural thing to do. And in this church, we talk an awful lot about leadership, don't we? And about living our, our lives for Jesus and, and, and being faithful with the gifts that he is giving us and living into the calling that we've been given. And the caveat here is, is that all that is good. Of course it is. But even in that desire to grow and to flourish, is there anywhere that we have forgotten that we are followers, we are disciples, before we are anything else? Before we are anything else? Have we gotten so familiar with the terrain of our own lives of our faith. Maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time. You know how this works. Or have we become so good, because we are pretty skilled at this, at planning our own trajectories, forging out our own path. Is there anywhere there that we have forgotten our need of reliance on the one we are following? Is there anywhere in our lives where we're beginning to edge in front of Jesus? Because isn't it the case that it's often only whenever we're doing something that we are, are deeply unfamiliar with or when our world is rocked by tragedy or pain, it's then often that we are thrust back into that desperate posture of following. So how do you follow? How do you keep following when you are leading, which you're allowed to do, how do you follow? When you are successful, which you are also allowed to be, how do you follow? When you are weary, when you are limping, which will be all of our realities at some point, how do you follow? How do you keep following? Dallas Willard says something incredibly challenging. He says, Becoming a disciple is a matter of giving up your own life as you have understood it to that point. Without that giving up, you will still think that you are in charge and just in need of a little help from Jesus for your project of a successful life. That stings a little bit, doesn't it? It's tough to hear. It would be really nice to think that none of us needed to hear that, but we all do. And I know we all do because Jesus said something very similar. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, we read, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. 
Which leads me to my second point, and I hope part of the answer to that question of how to follow. Because first we follow, and second, we yield. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you. Now, the NIV that I read at the beginning, it says, I will send you out, which is like, you could definitely use that within that translation, but in the original text, it kind of does seem to lean a little bit more towards the translation of make. I will make something. I will make you ready, prepare, appoint even. I will make you. Jesus is doing something for these fishermen which they absolutely could not have done on their own and might not necessarily have chosen or even thought was within the realm of possibility because they had their job, right? They were literally at work. They had their vocation, they had their living, they had their schedule, they had their plans, their day was sorted. And Jesus comes along and offers them something wholly different, incredibly exciting, absolutely, but it required a yielding from them, a yielding to what they did not know. They chose that day to follow, but they also chose the next day to follow, and they chose the next day to follow. They yielded to Jesus, and discipleship is, I think, about yielding. Yielding to the one who made you and to the one who is making you. Now the world, as we know, will laud a self-made man or woman. How positively we often hear that phrase used, he's a self-made man. I hate to break it to you, but as Christians, we are not self-made. You are not self-made. You are created. And there is a world of difference because our lives are not our own. Our lives are hidden in Christ. Our lives are held by Jesus. And that is as much a comfort to us as it is a very heady challenge because yielding is hard. It would not have been easy for them to drop their nets. Sometimes I think we think that they didn't like being fishermen or that they were like looking for another opportunity. I don't really think that they were. This was their family business and they were really good at it. And it got them their money and it meant they could sustain their families. They dropped their nets, they left the boat and they took a chance on this man that they did not know yet. The next day, they very well may have woken up with as much anxiety as excitement. And yet it was that yielding that led to the promise that Jesus was making to them. The promise of, I will make you. And he makes the same promise to us. I will make you. You don't need to try and make yourself Yes, there's things you can do and ways that you can forge ahead, but you don't need to try and make yourself because I will make you. So yield to the maker. Bill Hull, a Christian writer, says, discipleship isn't a program or an event. It is a way of life. It's not for a limited time, but it's for our whole life. Discipleship isn't for beginners alone. It is for all believers for every day of their life. These men were invited into a way of life and so are you. 
a way of following Christ, a way of yielding to the maker every day of your life. And a very poignant example that we have of that, that we've all been confronted with in in the past few days and reminded of is the life that the queen led. She was a disciple of Christ. Listen to any of her Christmas speeches, especially over the past few years. She was very open about her faith. She was a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, and a lifelong servant. A very privileged life she led, absolutely, but the life of a servant nonetheless. Literally. She pledged when she was 21. I'm sure we've all heard this little snippet, um, mostly because it's very moving. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. And seven decades later, you cannot deny that example. She knew what it was to show up and to stay and to live a whole life dedicated to service. And I believe to follow Jesus and to yield her own desires. Finally, the life of a disciple is a life of listening. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of people, fishers of men. It's kind of a weird line, right? Anyone else think that? The phrase always reminds me of this kids song that we used to sing whenever I was growing up in a very traditional Presbyterian church in the middle of the countryside in Northern Ireland. And the song was called, I Will Make You Fishers of Men. Really, really bizarre, honestly, a very bizarre kids song. It was accompanied by this action to make it more fun because we all know that actions make the song, don't they? Absolutely. You just have to be here at 10.30 on a Sunday morning to find out how much we love actions. We'd be lost without Stephen Brown. Absolutely. But I've kind of struggled with that language a little bit. Fish for people? I don't really want to fish for people. That seems to put me a little bit higher than those around me. It makes this life that I I want to be called into seem like some kind of project for others. Perhaps it's had some deeper meaning. Maybe a better theologian than me will be able to tell you that. But my simple guess this morning is that Jesus said to these men, I'll show you how to fish for people because he was talking to fishermen in fishing boats. Who knows, maybe they even laughed at his metaphor. Jesus was kind of funny, I think. But you know what is more important there? He said something to them that made sense to them. It captured their attention. It kept their attention. And really importantly, it was enough to get them moving. Jesus saying, come follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people was enough to get them out of their boats. This calling was unusual in many ways. In those days, students sought their rabbis. A rabbi did not come along the beach seeking followers. And yet, Jesus sought The invitation itself was unusual. It wasn't come follow my wise words, my teaching, my intellect. It was rather just come follow me as you are, you, fishermen, tired, probably dirty, in your boat, come follow me. The line, fishers of men, fishers of people, it was his way of saying, this life that I'm calling you into is for you. It is for you. I want you. But it's not just 
for you. With my help, you get to bring others along with you. Discipleship is about us and it is about others. A.W. Tozer says, only a disciple can make disciples. Only a disciple can make disciples. Your first call, our first call, is to be a disciple. To prioritize following Jesus with everything you have. To be willing to yield to his plans for you. And then, as a disciple, you get to disciple others and to help them follow and to encourage them to yield as they then disciple others. And so it goes on. So if you are following Jesus today, my question to you is, who is coming along with you? Who are you discipling? Anyone? No one? Loads of people? Maybe you think, I just don't have time right now. You don't know what my life is like. I I just don't have time. I'd love to, but I just don't have time. And maybe that is true. But could you make time over the next year? What would that look like? It's not going to happen immediately. If it happens immediately, it's not sustainable. But over the next year, could you make time? What would that look like? Maybe you think, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm not skilled enough, I'm new in my faith, or you're like, I've done this. I've done it for years and years and years and years and years and years. What is Jesus saying to you in the midst of that? What is your call from him? Because it is a with him thing. When you start to disciple others, you're not thrust out on your own. You're not left to your own devices. This is just the next bit of work that Christ is doing in you. And he is committed to do a work in you. I said that this last point was about listening. Jesus said something really specific and meaningful to these men. Something that stirred them, something that they understood. But they had a choice to listen. I mean, they were at work. They were busy. They were tired. They had jobs to do that he didn't understand. They did not have to pay attention to the man on the beach. They could have easily dismissed him. And we have a choice to listen to. What is Jesus saying to you? Isn't that a question we ask each other often? What is God saying to you? Who is he calling you towards? What is he inviting you to join in with? Maybe you know that it's a call to a particular person, a friend or a family member. Maybe it's a call to a people group or a place. Maybe it's not new and you already know it and he's just saying it again. But be sure he is saying something. And you have the opportunity, should you take it, to listen. This journey of faith, this life of discipleship, it is for you. You are called to be a disciple before you're called to be anything else. You're called to follow. But it's also for others. And that is a deeply joyful 
and privileged thing. So where does that land for you today? Maybe it's around that call to follow. Maybe you know I have, whether intentionally or not, edged up on Jesus a little bit and I'm getting in front of him and I need, I need to put the brakes on and come back into step following him. Or maybe it's around yielding. Maybe you know that your grip because of circumstances, because of the things that are going on in your life that I don't know about, maybe you know your grip has gotten a little bit too tight on your own life and you need to let go. Or maybe it's around listening, opening your ears, creating space and trusting that God would have something to say to you that would be specific, that would be meaningful, that would stir your heart and that would maybe get you moving.